Welcome to the Creatives in Focus podcast. Hi, I'm James Reed, a fantasy author published under JMD Reed. The first volume of my epic series, Assassins of Illumination, is available for purchase. Check out Fractured Soul. Today, I'm joined by Amanda McCarter. She's the author of Frostbite and Fire, House of Bone and Smoke, Book One. How are you doing today, Amanda? I am doing great. How are you, James? Oh, I'm doing just fine. It's uh, maybe a cool day today. It looks cloudy outside, so that'll be really nice. How about you? Yeah, it's not too bad. We're actually having um, a bit of a, I guess you could call it a cold snap. We've been having triple-digit days for the last couple of weeks, and it actually dropped down into the 80s this week. Oh, wow, triple digits. That, that's yeah, so I guess, a, um, I guess about 40 degrees Celsius. Yeah, no, we didn't hit triple digits where I live. We came close, but no one has AC here, so it's not great. But anyways, um, I like to start these out with a fun question. So are you a morning person or an evening person? I am a morning person. I've actually been awake since about four this morning. Yeah, I wake up early too. Nice. Uh, just, I, yeah, I have to start working in the morning because, like, the longer I go in the day, like, the less energy I have. Exactly. So, um, I get, I guess, like, sort of a restless leg syndrome. The later I'm up, the worse it gets. So the earlier I start, the better. So, uh, how long have you wanted to be an author? Oh, I've been writing for about 16 years now, so I guess that long. Okay. So uh, let's talk about your your novel, Frostbite and Fire, which okay. is set in the 22nd century where a gang war brews on the streets of London. And uh, this guy named Evan, you know, he thinks he's doing a routine autopsy, but uh, instead it Gal. causes a lot. Evan is a it's, woman. Oh, Gal. I am sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Evan is short for Evelyn. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Well, Evelyn... She or Evan, she thinks uh, it's just going to be a normal day, but it looks like it's not going to be for her. Let's talk no. about it. Uh, no, so she uh, she's doing this routine autopsy, which is very very different in the twenty sixth twenty second century. They don't cut people open; they do a, a holographic scan of the body. But she discovers an anomaly and goes to get some more tools. And when she comes back, the body's gone. Oh, that's definitely different. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, yeah, just tell us a bit about. Uh, Evan and what kind of makes this a great character, kind of maybe the setting, why London, you know, lots of stuff. I have lots of questions. It's it's in London just because that's sort of where the um, the the story came to me was uh, a London setting when it's sort of a dreary, cold London, like big city, um, something with um, a little bit more history than the U.S. And Evan is she's incredibly intelligent. She is a medical doctor. She chose forensic science because patients started dying around her when she was in med school. So she switched focuses. Um, she is also a trained hacker. Her one of her original focus in med school was to treat what. It, uh, so in this story, they use chips that are embedded in the back of the brain instead of a computer. And so her focus was to treat patients who had been damaged due to a chip malfunction. Okay. And so she's very good at hacking, very good at reading chips, but had to change for kind of a weird reason. Okay. 
And um, then we have this gang war brewing, which seems like it shouldn't be connected to a woman doing autopsies. No. Um, a coroner. Or a, I don't know, do they call them coroners in England? I just went with forensic pathologists. Okay, that's fair. I think coroner, I mean, it is, um, it does come from England because it's, uh, it means like someone who is investigating for the crown. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's where the, it's kind of why it sounds I like crown, coroner, yeah. Should probably have looked that up more. <laughs> but, you know, forensic pathologist is like the official term, so that's Because, yeah. uh, yeah. But, alright, that's pretty cool. So, yeah, so, um, how does this gang war kind of fit in with her story? Or is that like a spoiler? Well, the body that she's doing the autopsy on that goes missing is the body of a prominent crime family there in London. Ah. And so it gets to this, okay, well, who took the body? Why is it missing? Was it the other, was it another crime family or the cops doing something? Did someone else steal it? Is there a third party we don't know about? And it's sort of, because her investigation is similar to another crime, she gets tangled up with one of the inspectors working on a case, which brings her across a young woman who has evidence against one of these crime families. Okay, I gotcha. So we're looking at kind of like um like a sort of crime thriller, but set in 100 years in the future. Sort of a, yeah, so it's a cyberpunk crime thriller with some mystical aspects to it. And so uh, do you like a... Uh so cyberpunk something you really like? Yeah, I've I've always been a big fan of cyberpunk. I grew up with like Blade Runner, uh, Ghost in the Shell, sort of da- like lots of science fiction and and really so like anything that had like hacking and and just weird technology was kind of my jam growing up. That's fair. Uh, Ghost in the Shell is the reason why I would never want to have a computer chip in my brain. Right? <laughs> terrifying. Definitely terrifying. Yeah, yeah having my brain hacked does not sound like a good time. No, but it does not. I feel like that's the way we're going. Uh, yeah, maybe. They have the um the well, I mean they can do the interface without actually putting a chip in your head with like those neural nets they have. Yeah. So, you know, maybe you don't actually have to do the the chip in the head thing. <laughs> that that might be that might be preferable. Yeah, you um, can just put something on and then you could and use it and take it off, you know. Yeah, because bad things, at least in this story and in other stories, I guess, bad things happen to people who have, whose chips are damaged. But, you know, that's, that's the fun of fiction, exploring ideas and seeing yes. where the, the pitfalls in them are. And, uh, you know, that's just, that's, you know, the joy of science fiction, isn't it? To take up potential technology and explore the societal and technological and, um, you know, ramifications of it. I think that's well, the point of science fiction, to look at a problem and say, well, what if we did this? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm more on the fantasy end where it's more of a, I don't know, philosophical debate <laughs> play yeah. out with, with magic and gods and stuff, you know, asking, you know, big questions, but not, you know, necessarily solutions for society or just exploring how, you know, everything works and stuff like that. You know, the why of things, the metaphysics of things, the... You know, I don't know, the big questions. But, yeah, no, that's cool that, uh, yeah, there's kind of sort of sci-fi stories where you, like, explore different ideas. Those can be really fun. And it sounds like you uh, you put some thought into this. I mean, she's a – I mean, it would make sense that you would need, like, doctors who knew how to, like, work with code and stuff. They have to deal with, like, you know, software and chips and stuff. Yeah, sort of playing on – because right now a lot of jobs – 
even though, you know, like 10, 20 years ago didn't require any programming. And now there's more and more jobs every day that require some amount of programming, some amount of computer knowledge, and more so than they have in the past. It's not enough just to be able to use a keyboard and mouse. It's like, well, do you know SQL? Do you know JavaScript? Can you work on a web page? Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know what SQL is at all, so I'm, I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> it's a database language. Fair enough. <laughs> well, you know, that's why I just write books. I I would very much to to just write books, but got to get there first. Yep, true, true. So, all right. So, uh, you got this. Uh, so is this going to be like a standalone series, or do you have like um more ideas planned for it? It is the first book of nine. Well, nine. Nine. You really yes. have this. You really have this thought out, don't you? Not not as much as I would like to, but yeah, there's there's going to be a lot going on. Um. I, I will tell you, I can tell you why I wrote this book. Oh, sure, um, if you want to share that. Sure. So a few years ago, right when Game of Thrones was coming to an end and HBO was starting to announce the spinoff series, there was this commercial or a trailer for what looked to be Game of Thrones set in a modern day London environment with like Parliament and modern technology and modern problems and all that. And it turned out to be a gag by a Dutch satirist. And I remember being so mad because I wanted to watch that show. And I was like, well, fine, I'll write my own. And so I started writing um, the first book in the Houses of Bone and Smoke, which is there there are nine houses. Each book is going to, you know, kind of touch on each house and how they deal with day to day problems and, and the issues that they are most concerned with. And the people that are members of these houses. Okay, sounds like a really great idea. So, are these like crime family houses or different? They are sort of a global protectorate. They're an ancient secret society that works around a principle of different gotcha. aspects. So, like in this first book, it focuses on the Court of Blood, which is they are interested in life, in protecting life, in keeping people safe, in doing what they can to help people. Okay. Well, all right. So that seems like an interesting concept. Like um, the Illuminati, but not evil, I guess. Or that the, uh, depends on the house. Or the Bilderberg group or the, what else, the tri, what is it, tripartite? No, something else. I'm not up on my conspiracy theories anymore. Yeah, it depends on the house. Some houses are a little bit more altruistic than others. There's another order that's com- that's comprised completely of assassins. There's another order that's thieves and pickpockets and spies. Okay, yeah. That's definitely uh, very different groups. Yeah. All right, and then you're just going to do a book with each one of them. So it's like, um, is uh, Evan going to come back as a character? Or is she oh, gonna... yeah. So they're not okay. going to be standalones. It's going to be a continuation of the same story, but it's going to introduce more of the houses, more characters, more aspects of this society, of these, because they're all working towards a common threat, which we start to learn about in book one, and we'll learn more about in book two. Wow, that does sound like a really great premise for a series. And so you got book one out. Is there any more of the series published? or Not yet. I'm writing book two right now. I'm almost finished with the first draft. And I've got part of book three written. I actually like got a scene for book three while I was writing book two and had to go take a break. And, and I ended up with 40,000 words in book three. 
Okay, that's a way to write. I've never, I've never really written like. I haven't either, but this series is allowing me to do a lot of jumping around. Gotcha. All right. Well, so you have this series, and uh, do you have any other books published? Yes, I have another series called Stitch Witches, and it is an urban fantasy series about witches who do magic with knitting, crochet, crafting type stuff. I see. And I noticed on your bio that you're you're into knitting, so Yes. It's good to be able to take your hobby and turn it into a fantasy series. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and really let me kind of dig into the history of the craft and you know different types of knitting, different different fiber arts from around the world, like really kind of just get in there and, and learn and, and research. That sounds like a, an interesting, like, so like, do like different stitches going cause different magical effects or like I'm a witch and I crochet and like you're, you're a knitter and we're like enemies now. And <laughs> how does this work? So it's about the intent behind the, the craft. Okay. Um, certain patterns are going to be certain patterns and certain fibers are going to be more are going to be better suited towards different types of spells. Acrylic yarn is basically worthless, um, which is it's just plastic yarns. It it has to be some sort of natural fiber that can be imbued okay. with the wishes of either the spinner who spun it or the the crafter who's who's making something with it. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a really neat concept. I'm picturing the Shonen anime version where it's two old women knitting furiously at each other while there's like all these spells flying at each other and over the top explosions and crazy dialogue. Well, the main character is a 19 year old college student from Fayetteville, Arkansas. But yeah, so no, not sorry. Quite an old lady's. Right, I, I know, but it's just like <laughs> um, my grandmother knitted, so I have to know. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, it's really popular and in, in with younger folks too, and that's kind of why. I, yeah, I know one of the reasons I, I glommed onto it is because it is such a popular hobby right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I know that. I, I saw a YouTuber once, and she was like in her thirties, and she was really into knitting. So <laughs> I, I do get that, but I just, just that's I'm just but the the joke, the funny part is just that they're two old grandmothers, so that's just. Oh yeah, I, absolutely. That sorry, I, I can see like where you're going with that. It's hilarious. Yeah, sorry. But uh, well, it does. But just, but it does sound like a really creative thing. I've never seen anyone use um, like I mean, like you have like sort of runic magic where you can make them out of stitches, but the actual patterns of like knitting that's that's something definitely unique that I've never run across, anyways. So yeah, there's been a few over the years. I I would like to think I was the first one to do it, but I can't prove that. <laughs> yeah, just you know, as long as you don't know about them, it's you know, it's fine. But yeah, all right. So you got Stitch Witches. So is that a complete series? Um, almost. Book five is done. It needs to go through some final edits. I hope to have it out by the end of the year. But it'll be a five book series when it's all said and done. But the first four awesome. books are out. Awesome. Well, uh, that sounds like a really fun and imaginative series. And hopefully uh, the listeners will go check it out. And if you want to let them know where they can sort of connect with you on social media. Um, I am on Instagram at Amanda McCarter Writes. I do have a TikTok. It's not very active. I will have a blog soon, and I will have a Facebook group soon. Okay. Well, it's been really great chatting with you, Amanda. Yeah, this has been fun. Thanks. I hope you have, like, a good day. Yeah, you too, man. Take it easy. This has been Creatives in Focus. You can follow my books on Amazon under JMD Read, 
Or join my readers group, Fantastic Worlds of the Imagination, on Facebook to keep up with news and releases.